Hello, everyone. It's Jilly. Welcome back to the INFJ Growth Podcast. We are here for episode three of season two. I had so much fun doing the Q&A Thursday a few days ago. Thank you so much again for everyone asking questions. And I am really excited for today's episode and I'm excited for the upcoming Q&A Thursday. So in the last content episode last Monday, we spoke about romantic relationships for INFJs. We spoke about the things that are meaningful to us and why relationships are so important for INFJs. And we spoke about the importance of emotional connection, intellectual connection, depth. We want so many things in relationships and so much of our identity and our sense of self-worth and the meaning and fulfillment that we get out of life. So much of that depends on the relationships that we have and the the quality of the relationships we have. And a lot of that falls on us as far as our ability to define what we want and to work towards it in a meaningful and healthy and fulfilling way. So that is what this season is all about with romantic relationships. So in the first episode, we spoke about the the three areas that we need to be focusing on in order to have the meaningful relationships that we desire in our lives. And the the three areas are learning about ourselves, learning about our partner or our date if we are in the dating phase and working towards a relationship potentially. And then the third area is the the bridge of understanding and connection that is formed between you and your partner and the, the bridge that is formed between your relationship and your future goals, both individually and as a couple. So in this episode, we are going to dive into the, the self area. And I know that we've talked a lot about the reasons why INFJs do things, the types of areas that we struggle with. And at the same time, there's so much more to getting to know ourselves and to understand ourselves. And it's so important for us to, to value this process of getting to know and understand and accept ourselves because being understood, feeling understood, feeling like your partner cares enough to make the effort and to try to understand you, that's a love language for INFJs. That's a pretty universal concept and feeling that every INFJ that I've ever worked with is after. We really, really want to feel understood. And so many of us do not feel that way in our relationships whether it is with our friends, our family, our partners, our spouses, we we very much crave this feeling of being understood and we're not getting it a lot of times. And it's easy to point the finger at our partner or the person that we are dating and say that it's because they don't care or say that it's because no one can understand us, that we're broken or that we've gone through too much, that we're just messed up and no one can ever stand, uh, ever understand us. And at the same time, I think that part of it also comes from the fact that we often don't understand ourselves very well or we understand certain aspects of ourselves and we are critical about certain aspects of ourselves, but that's not 
the whole story when it comes to understanding. If you can look into your past and know the reasons why you do certain things, know the reasons why you behave certain ways or think certain things or value certain things, that's one level of understanding. But we are so naturally critical of ourselves and we are so hard on ourselves and we are so just inclined to beat ourselves up. That is not understanding. Self-flagellation is not understanding. Being self-critical is not understanding. Understanding is about knowing. And it's also about accepting and owning our past, owning the things that we want, owning the things that we desire with our relationships and with ourselves and with our future. We have to, to feel confident and solid in that for us to truly understand ourselves. Because if we equate knowing and self-criticism with understanding, which is, I think, something that we confuse a lot within ourselves, that, that those differences between those, if we can't tell the difference between knowing and criticism and understanding in ourselves, we're never going to get anything other than those same things in our relationships. So when we think about really feeling understood, it's not just that we want people to know us or to have the same critical perspective of us that we have of ourselves. When we say that we want to feel understood, we want to feel accepted. We want to feel loved. We want to feel valued. And the only way for us to truly feel those things is to feel them about ourselves first. If we do not understand ourselves in a way that is accepting and loving and caring and supportive, we are never going to be able to get that from a partner because we we see the world as we see ourselves. And if we cannot offer ourselves that same compassion that we so readily offer to other people, if we don't truly understand ourselves in a meaningful, kind, and compassionate way, we're always going to feel misunderstood in our partnerships. So take a minute and let that sink in. And I'm excited to explore this episode from that frame of reference of of getting to understand yourself, but in a different way, getting to know the things that you need, getting to know the things that you value just for being you as a person. We focus on ourselves very critically. We look for partners and we sometimes idealize them or we focus on emotional caretaking of the other person. We are so focused on the positive aspects of other people a lot of times and we we don't really think about what we need in relationships or we think that we're getting our needs met by taking care of the other person or being supportive for the other person and that is one way of fulfilling some of our emotional needs but that is not the whole story. And if you have found yourself in patterns of relationships where you are the one doing all of the the weightlifting emotionally, if you are pulling the emotional weight in your relationships and you are not allowing yourself to be known, to be seen, to be heard, to be understood, you might find yourself in patterns with your relationships where you are really connected in the beginning and you feel very close to the person and connected and 
taking care of them, but you're not allowing yourself to be seen. You're not allowing yourself to express your needs or to have any expectation of them being met. And when that happens, usually about like a year, maybe two years into the relationship, all of a sudden you start to emotionally detach and you don't feel connected to this person anymore because you unconsciously are realizing or maybe consciously But a lot of INFJs and myself included, I realized this on my third long-term relationship that about like a year and a half, two years in, I would just get bored and I would feel apathetic and I would feel unfulfilled and disconnected. And as it kept happening in these relationships, at first I just blamed my partner and obviously there were other things at play just than that. But I could see this longer-term theme in my relationships where I I didn't want to need anything because I didn't want to be needy. I didn't want to be a burden. I didn't want to be perceived as being taking up more than my fair share of space, I guess. I, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to have to rely on anyone. I didn't want to have to be vulnerable. I didn't want to have to risk being hurt. I was just so prided myself on being independent. And because I wasn't allowing myself to even understand myself or to express my needs, I eventually would start to get diminishing returns on taking care of my partner emotionally. And once I realized that, okay, I'm actually not getting my my real needs met here. I'm not getting my my true fulfillment, rewarding that deep emotional connection, which requires vulnerability and intimacy and some amount of interdependence, which is different than codependence. But if you don't allow yourself to express your needs and to allow your partner to meet them. And in doing so, allowing yourself to be seen, heard, understood, and accepted. Without that, you end up feeling empty. And you unknowingly are prioritizing safety and security of not being rejected or feeling needed you were prioritizing safety over connection. And it makes sense why we do that. But at the same time, it does not get our needs met. It does not get us the the deep, meaningful relationships that we crave. So if you've noticed this pattern with yourself in your past relationships or in your current relationship even, take a look at some of the underlying reasons why this might be happening take a look at, are you actually emotionally connected to your partner? Or are you actually disconnected and disengaged because you do not want to be hurt and you don't want to be needy? And therefore, you are not truly connected. Or are there other areas that could also be causing disconnection? Obviously, there's a lot of other reasons that could be playing a part here. But because today is the the self day, (laughs) We're looking at this area, and I wanted to share my own experience with that pattern in my relationships and having worked with clients who have also experienced that same dynamic and just recognizing that a lot of it does come from our desire to protect ourselves and that that desire, which is understandable, if we give into that and give into our natural tendencies to be independent and not want to rely on anyone, we are never going to feel understood or connected. So if you're at that point now, or if you have been, 
ask yourself, do you want to make the conscious decision to to do it differently? And if so, commit to that and find the reasons why you want to do it differently. It, it's not enough for us to just cognitively know that we should be doing things differently. We need to have that deeper meaning and feeling of why we're doing this. Like, why are we committing to this challenging work? Why are we committing to being vulnerable and risking being hurt? If we don't have that purpose, which is what is so fundamentally important and critical for intuition, for INFJs, we have to have a deeper meaning and purpose for the reasons that we do things. Otherwise, we are just going through the motions and you cannot be going through the motions and have a fulfilling, rewarding life. You cannot be going through the motions with your relationship and have the deep, meaningful connection that you crave. So connect with your purpose. Connect with the vision that you want for yourself, for your relationship, for your life, for your future, and journal about it if it's helpful. Sometimes getting our thoughts out of our head and onto paper can be really helpful. You can also speak with a friend or someone who you can connect with in that way and get outside perspective. But before you embark on this self-discovery journey, take a few minutes, a few days, however long you need to, to really think about the reasons why you're doing this and make sure to revisit that and acknowledging that this is going to be a process. This is not a one-time thing that you decide, yes, I'm going to go on a journey of self-discovery. Yes, I'm going to figure out what my needs are. I want to understand myself. You have to come back to it and you have to give yourself space to, to change and to grow and to evolve. Self-awareness it, it's easy to think of it as just this state of being that we can passively and naturally inhabit, but it's a lot of work. <laughs> it takes a lot of active reflection, going out, experiencing things. It takes a very fundamental willingness to be uncomfortable, to look at ourselves without judgment and without emotions sometimes without the guilt and without the beating ourselves up that we use to motivate us a lot of times, realizing that I often would use guilt and shame as a way to try to motivate myself to change. Even that was really helpful as far as self-awareness goes. And a lot of that often goes back to our childhood if we went through trauma or if we had to emotionally caretake one of our parents. There's a lot of reasons why this is such a struggle for us. And truly, I, I think that that is the first layer of understanding is just looking at having self-awareness and understanding and accepting the reasons why these things are so hard for you. You can't use them as excuses because if you were using it as an excuse, then you were not doing what you need to because of these bad things. Again, like an excuse is when you just say, this is why I am the way I am, and then you end the sentence. A reason is, this is why I am the way I am, and here's what I'm going to do to start making changes so that I am moving away from my trauma and moving towards the future and the best self that I can be on any given day. So, Looking at the reasons why you struggle in different areas is really, really important because, again, it helps you to have self-compassion. And 
the only way that we can feel understood and connected in our relationships is if we can begin to offer those things to ourselves. So I, I wanted to say all of that just to validate that this is really freaking hard. And it is not supposed to be easy. And at the same time, it, it it's okay for it to be hard. It's okay to have bad days. It's okay for this to be a struggle. Hopefully, as you move towards self-compassion and understanding it, it does get a little bit easier as time goes on. But just remember that personal growth is never going to be a linear journey. You're going to have ups and downs. And to not judge ourselves and beat ourselves up if we are not making the progress that we hoped or that we expected, we have to really check our self-expectations and to give ourselves space to grow. Because if we are really hard on ourselves and we are constantly just forcing ourselves to try to be different, we are restricting our ability to grow. We have to be able to give ourselves space to to open up and to to move through the difficult things that we've been through and to to be able to change it. So please be kind to yourself as best you can. So now for the more practical stuff. Thank you for letting me talk through that part of it because it, it's really important and we so often focus on, okay, well, what do I do? What do I have to Step. what steps do I have to take? What actions do I have to take? And that's really probably only 25% of it. The rest of it is everything I just talked about, the, the self-acceptance, the willingness, the openness, the commitment. So please, even though I know it's really tempting to just skip past the self-reflection and the, the looking into the future and determining what you want out of this and your why, I know that it's really tempting to dismiss that as just being fluffy and that you have to get to the action and that's what matters. But please trust me when I tell you that that is not at all, not even 25% of the story. It's so small. And the more that you just dismiss your feelings and the reasons why you are the way you are, and the more that you dismiss the ability of ability to forgive and accept yourself, you are going to keep running into the same problems over and over again, and you're going to be frustrated and mad at yourself, and they've been there. So please don't don't discount all the stuff I just talked about. It's really, really important. And you will end up getting there faster if you take the time to put this inner work in than if you just focus on the outer work and focus on the action and trying to get to your goals you're going to get there much faster if you take the time to prepare. So please take the time to reflect and vision and prepare for, for what's next. And now we get to dive into that. So as we are looking at getting to know ourselves, again, I, I think that journaling is really helpful because not only is it helpful to get out of our heads, our thoughts out of our heads, it's helpful to look back. I don't know about you guys, but I... I really struggle. I'm so future focused that I have a hard time remembering past things that I learned or looking back at past accomplishments or really processing and learning the lessons and the experiences from things that I've been through. And I have noticed that I really hold myself back in that way. So journaling is really helpful for me. If it's helpful for you, I encourage it because it's really helpful to look back at it. 
So I, I'm going to give us some different options and perspectives and a framework for how to look at the things that you need, want, etc. I am not a big fan of telling people you have to do these steps in these orders because it doesn't really work for INFJs. We tend to do best if someone gives us a loose framework and if someone tells us that these are the possibilities or here are some options. And then you get to decide what you actually want to take from that and you get to decide the the actual steps and actions that you're going to take towards it. And as J-types, we do tend to have our own process and our own approach to working towards these things. And I know for myself, if I am working with someone who tells me you have to do these things in this order and you have to do it this specific way, I tend to just resist it because if it doesn't feel good for me, then I just am not going to do it. So I personally and with clients I work with it, I found for INFJs that it's really helpful to have the framework and the possibilities and you get to decide the actual how-to of it. And if you have questions about the execution and the implementation, feel free to ask them and we can talk through them on Q&A Thursday. So as we're getting to know ourselves and to, to look at ourselves a little bit more closely, one way that has been helpful for me and for clients is looking at different areas of your life. So to kind of give yourself some some structure and some different containers to look at the things that you need and want. So the the areas that I look at for my own life are health, fun, <laughs> work, romance, family and friends, and I call it spirituality. It can be religion if that resonates with you. It can be meditation if that resonates with you. It can be yoga or physically connecting with your body. It can be even journaling or spending time outside. Anything that helps you connect to something that is bigger than yourself or anything that helps you connect to something within yourself, That I, I believe that that is spirituality. It's about just connecting to that intangible and to that just feeling part of something bigger. And I found that that is a very helpful thing for INFJs. So whichever of those resonate with you or if spirituality in any of those forms does not resonate with you, you don't have to include that life area. But I have found it to be helpful. So I wanted to throw it out there as an option and a possibility if it does resonate with you. Other potential life areas that I've had people connect well with are personal development, finances or financial independence, education, volunteering, giving back to the community, working with animals, working with pets, working with children, anything that helps you to feel a sense of service and community, anything that helps you to feel a sense of growth, those are other life areas that you can include if they're meaningful to you and if they help to fulfill a need in some way. So jot down a few of those. I generally don't recommend people to pick more than six because it can kind of get overwhelming. And you can always include more areas later, but it helps to just kind of take stock of the different areas of these parts of your life and to look at the ones that are the most important and the ones that bring the most value to you and to the people in your life. So take a look at those, pick a few of them. You don't have to pick six, you can pick four. You probably wouldn't pick fewer than four though. And then other things or qualities that you can look at as we 
look into more self-discovery and getting to know ourselves is to, to look at your values. So you can Google values. There's a ton of different lists online, but some options that people resonate with are honesty, integrity, growth, commitment, connection, resilience, humor, follow through or reliability, fun, adventuring, trustworthiness. There's, there's so many different values, but I think of values, I think of them as either qualities or states of being or ways of living that bridge the gap between who you are as a person and what you do. So for me, values are the the either the rules that I want to follow or the ways that I want to to exist or to to navigate as I am going about my daily life and working toward my goals. So aligning our actions and our decisions with our values can be really helpful, especially for people who struggle with people pleasing or needing people's approval or needing validation from other people, which is struggling with healthy FE development, extroverted feeling development, which is so, so common for INFJs. So if you struggle with those things, because again, we need to remember that the ways that we make decisions is extroverted feeling. That's our preferred way. But if we look at values, those can be a helpful counterbalance. And if we use those is honestly, it really is introverted thinking, which is the counterbalance to extroverted feeling. Having those internal values can be a very helpful anchor and a very helpful compass to help us to make decisions differently and to start to value and prioritize other sources of making decisions aside from making other people happy. Because if we only make decisions for other people, then we're not acknowledging ourselves, we are not valuing ourselves, and we cannot truly prioritize and understand ourselves if we are only making decisions for other people. So take stock of the things that you value the most. There's literally hundreds of them if you look it up online. I usually recommend people whittling it down to five, maybe 10 at most. And sometimes it can be helpful to pair different values with those different life areas that I mentioned. And try to pick values that feel good or feel inspiring or feel motivating or feel like they are connecting you either to your your better self, your higher self, or the the best version of yourself. So don't don't pick honesty if you feel like it's something that you should value or that you wish that you valued but that doesn't actually feel good for you. I feel like most people are probably going to value honesty, but say that you I think a lot of times people more tend to value things that they think they should value like being hardworking, being putting other people before me. For a very long time, I valued myself so much on how hard I could work. And I I didn't prioritize valuing fun or humor because I didn't think that those were worthy enough or that they were important enough or that they would get me to my goals. And because I didn't value those things or I was choosing not to value those things, I became very serious for a long time. And 
I realized that I didn't, I didn't like that version of myself very much. And it was after starting nursing school, after becoming a nurse practitioner, after starting my clinic and running that for a few years, I just realized like, oh my gosh, I'm so serious. I used to have such a better sense of humor. I used to be so much more fun and I miss that version of myself. So when you're looking at different life areas and when you're looking at values, that's why I included things like sense of humor, going on adventures, having fun, just relaxing. Like We do not need to be so serious all the time. And especially in romantic relationships, and especially if you were dating, it's really, really important to be playful, to have a sense of humor, to not be so serious and feeling like you need to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. It's it's really good to be responsible and to to take on the work of the world. <laughs> but at the same time, if we're not having fun while we're doing it, then what's the freaking point? I valued reaching my goals for so long that I, I lost sight of the fact that sense of humor and fun and being playful and silly, those those are things that I value. And if I am so focused on the outcome and achieving all the things and self-improvement, if I lose sight of who I am along the way, what I value, then the there's no true joy in it. So again, values are bridging the gap between who you are and what you do. It's not just about the actions. It's not just about what you do. It's about what you value and who you are and who you were becoming and who you were being while you were doing all of these things. So take a look at all of those. Take some time, journal it, write some things down. There's no like five-step system to this. Take the parts that resonate with you and just look at it from the perspective of like what makes me feel the best about myself? What makes me feel the most connected? What makes me feel the most inspired and excited? Those are the things that really motivate us and the things that we really need to be prioritizing. It's not all about just goal achievement and being responsible and being serious. We need to have fun too. So please make sure you're prioritizing those qualities and characteristics and values as well. So now that you've looked at all those different life areas and now that you've kind of jotted down some of the the qualities and the values that you have and the areas that are important to you, now we're going to take it a step deeper and let's look at what we can actually get out of those things or what we need or what we desire. So Generally, when we talk about needs or things that we like, we kind of lump all of those together and we don't, we have a hard time differentiating between what do I need and what do I want. And I think that part of it goes along with what I said before about wanting to be responsible and wanting to put others before us. I often would prioritize needs as being more important and then things that are fun or non-essential as not important. So it, it, it can really help to to dig into these things a little bit deeper. And there's there's four different categories that I look at when we're getting to know ourselves and getting to know what we desire and what we want and what we need. So 
the, the first is what I call requirements. And those are what we need for survival. So these are just basic physiologic and safety requirements. If you are familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that would be the, the number one and number two bases of the pyramid. And these are things that as children, we needed to get met by our parents. And as adults, we, we generally need to meet our requirements on our own. These are, these are self-focused and self-determined areas. And typically, we, as adults, we are not dependent on other people to have our basic physiologic needs met. So I, I want to throw those in there because I feel like probably most people listening to this already have requirements taken care of. I assume that you, I hope that you have a roof over your head and that you are able to feed yourself and clothe yourself and you are able to financially provide for yourself and that those basic requirements for survival are taken care of. Without those, it, it's a lot harder to look at the other areas, which is one of the principles of Maslow's hierarchy is that you can't work towards self-esteem and belonging and self-actualization, it's really hard to do that if you don't have your basic needs for survival met. So again, most of us probably already have those taken care of, but they're important. So I wanted to include that. That's the first thing is requirements. The second level is needs. And I, I think of those as well-being so it, it's not the same as survival because you won't die if your needs are not met, but you will be operating a, a deficit. So most humans need to belong. They need to feel like they have a good self-esteem and self-confidence. They need to feel accepted. They need to feel validated. They need to feel acknowledged and respected. These are things that without, you're not going to die if you don't have these needs met, but you're not going to feel like your best self and you're not going to feel fulfilled or like you are connected in whatever respect. You're not going to be even at a neutral. You're, you're going to be at a deficit in yourself and in your relationships if your needs and well-being are not met. And I'll give some examples of those in a minute. So the next stage is wants, and I think of those as being an enhancement to our quality of life. So we're starting to move from survival needs, meaning that we are running at a deficit if we don't have them, with wants. If, if we're not getting our wants met, we tend to stay at neutral. We are not moving towards growth or towards positive feelings. But if we have our wants met, we feel more satisfied. We feel a little bit more filled. We feel like we have a, a stronger quality of life. So that's the, the third level. And then the last level is desires. And these are things that definitively move us into a positive if we, if we have things that we desire in our life. So things that are fulfilling, rewarding, pleasurable, fun, connecting, being part of something bigger than yourself, feeling joy, feeling fulfillment. These are desires. So if we take these four things, requirements, which are for survival, needs, which are for well-being, 
wants, which are for quality of life and satisfaction, and then desires, which are for fulfillment, connection, fun, joy. If we take these four levels and we apply them to the areas of life that we looked at, we can start to look at the the different things that define who we are and the, the different things that define what we want with our lives. And understanding these different areas opens up possibility for connection and understanding with the, the partners and with our relationships and with the people in our lives. So I'll give you some examples of how you can apply these. So if we look at the first area that I threw out there, which was health, and this is going to be different for everybody. So I'm going to give you some examples for me, but this does not mean it has to be that way for you. It can be anything for you. So just take this as an example and run with it and make it your own. So if we look at health, for me, and I I think obviously requirements and survival probably are going to be the same for everybody. Requirements for survival for health, having food to eat, having health care is a requirement. Those are pretty straightforward, I think, for most people. For, For needs, for me, exercise is a really big need for me. And that's not because I think I should do it or because it's quote unquote good for me. It's a need for my mental health, for my for my energy level, for my alertness level, for my ability to think clearly, for my ability to communicate and work effectively. If I don't get to exercise every day, I am not going to die, but I will be running at a deficit because I have noticed a distinct difference in my life, times that I exercise regularly and consistently versus times that I don't. So that is a need that enhances my well-being. And I, I need that to be at least running at a baseline neutral level. Without it, I will be at a deficit. And that is an example of a need that I can meet myself and that I usually do. Can I go work out with my husband? Sure. But I'm not dependent on him for that need to be met. And that is something that is really, really important for me. And that is a need that I have and that I am capable of owning and meeting for myself. If I look at health as far as wants and quality of life, I want to be able to go on walks outside. I want to be able to walk my dogs outside. Is this something that I have to do? No. Am I going to be at a negative or a deficit if I am not able to go walk walking outside or going on a hike? No. But my quality of life and my satisfaction level with my health are starting to be enhanced if I can have that want be met some of the time. It doesn't have to be all the time. If it's pouring down rain, I'm not going to be running at a deficit if I can't go on a walk outside. But if it's sunny out, I'm going to take advantage of that because there are clear benefits to me for doing that. And when you're looking at these different areas, it can be really helpful to write down what the benefits are for you. What are you getting out of this? So I mentioned what it was for me with needing to exercise with health. These are the benefits if I do this. These are the drawbacks and the negatives if I don't do this. Same thing with going on a walk or going on a hike outside. Having this written down can be really, really helpful to guide your behavior and your choices from day to day. For desires for health, 
what is fulfilling, what is rewarding, what is fun. I would love to be able to do outdoor sports. I would love to be able to do things with my husband outside. I would love to be able to go on an adventure, like a a long adventure and do things outdoors for either exercising or even you could say that like a, a gym membership or taking a class could be a desire. It's not a need because I, I, it's not going to be a deficit without it. Quality of life, I don't consider, I, I consider those things to be a little bit more luxury. So if I have extra energy and if I have the opportunity to have a desire be met for health or for any of these areas, I think it's really important that we take it because these are the things that move us from a neutral state to a, a positive. So I don't necessarily prioritize those things greatly because they're not the most important things in the world to me. But if you have areas of desire with your health or with, with any of these different areas, if it if it's important to you and if it greatly enhances your life fulfillment and feeling rewarded and feeling excited and inspired, then you should write it down and you should think about doing it sometimes or at least just knowing it. We don't necessarily have to have our our needs, wants, and desires. They don't have to be things that we're constantly doing or taking action with, but this just helps you to get your get to know yourself because if you, again, if you can get to know yourself, you're going to feel more confident because you're going to be able to express yourself better in your partnerships and in your, on your dates and in your relationships. And you're going to feel more confident in the way that you communicate and then the ways that you connect with people. So just, you don't have to do anything with this information right now. This is literally just self-discovery and exploring needs, wants, and desires in an in an expansive way, in an exciting way. Because when we hear the word need, it, it just feels like such a burden and it feels so heavy and we don't want to need things. But if we can think about it in ways that actually light us up and make us feel more inspired, more connected, more expansive, then our relationships get a lot more exciting because we can communicate the things that we need in a confident and expansive way. And if we can communicate in those ways, we're going to feel more confident and more self-assured. And those are very attractive quality traits. So I know that it can be tempting to just diminish this stuff and to just not focus on it and instead to focus on the tasks and doing. But this stuff is so important. I've seen it change lives with people's relationships. So make it fun. And you don't have to just do it by yourself. If you are already in a relationship, you can explore these areas on your own. And you can also make it an activity that you do with your partner. I've done all of these things with my husband before. So make self-discovery fun. Like this is supposed to be fun. <laughs> So if we, let's look at another example, which could be socially, family or friends. Requirements, if we look at survival, I feel like we kind of need to have people in our lives. Does this, it's kind of borders on a requirement versus a need, depending on the person, depending on what you value. 
but I, I do think we, we can't be hermits entirely. So I, I think that requirement need at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, but we do need something of those in our lives because even if we classify it as a need for well-being, we are not going to die without friends and social relationships and family in our lives, but we will be at a deficit without it, especially if our needs are not met for a long period of time. If we look at wants or quality of life, again, these are starting to take us from neutrality to a positive that enhance our satisfaction. So wants for me, and this is going to be so individual for each person, but this could be connecting with people. And a a lot of times for me, it's online with clients or with friends. Some of my best friends live across the country and across the world. This could be either doing FaceTime. It can be messaging, voice messaging back and forth on iMessage or WhatsApp. It can be getting on a Zoom call with someone just to catch up. Those are wants for me because they enhance my quality of life. They give me energy. They make me feel more fulfilled and excited. Even working with clients for me is, it, it's a its a want. Do I need to make money? Yes, but I don't have to make it by working with clients. I do that because I want to and because it is fulfilling for me to help people and for me to connect with people and to help people become their best selves. So that is a want for me. That's the way that I connect with people and the way that I want to spend time with people and the relationships that I have in my life, that enhances my quality of life. So for for me, that's a want. Desires. So moving into positiveness, expansion, fulfillment, rewarding, fun. That is actually like going out for me and, and doing fun stuff with people. And again, like those are things that I used to not do because they weren't necessities. But I bring so much more joy and energy and positivity towards the the needs in my life. If I have fun and if I allow myself to do fun things without any need of having it be related to work or personal development or responsibilities that I have. So whether that is going on an adventure with a friend, whether that is planning a trip with my husband, travel can be a want or a desire in that category. Whether it is going out to eat with someone, it, it, it can be anything. But take a look at that just for social relationships. And again, these are not things that you have to be actively doing all the time. I don't want this to turn into a to-do list for you. It, it's just supposed to help you get to know yourself a little bit better. And to give you things to try because getting to know yourself is a lifelong process. So maybe you think that something is a desire and you go out and do it a few times and then you realize this actually, I'm, I'm going to upgrade this to a want because this actually really does enhance my quality of life or even upgrade it to a need. Like I, I need this thing to feel like I am functioning fully, that I'm not running at a deficit. So just there's so many different ways to look at this. And I think you guys probably have the idea as I'm exploring these different areas. But then as you look at your, your romantic relationship, again, survival, probably not as much in that category, depending on how you view things, but needs and well-being, you're not going to die, but you're going to be at a deficit. This is feeling validated by your partner, feeling accepted by your partner, feeling like you are not being rejected or needlessly criticized by your partner. 
feeling like you were emotionally supported by this person, like they listen to you, like they accept you without trying to change you. Those are all needs. Are you going to die without those things? No, but you are going to be running at a deficit without those things. Wants and quality of life. Then we're kind of moving into the INFJ desire for depth in relationships, for emotional and intellectual conversations and connection in those ways, feeling like you are on the same team emotionally can be a want. For some people, it might be a need. Being able to have high-level conversations about things that are important to you, is that a need, a want, or a desire? Feeling like you can be vulnerable with someone and trust them to not hurt you later or to not violate your trust in some way, is that a need, a want, or a desire? These are things that I think we subconsciously understand that we need, but we often don't want to look at these too closely. Is it, in, is it important for you, a need, a want, or a desire for you to have hobbies in common? Is it a need, a want, or a desire for you to want to be in a long-term relationship? Is it a need, a want, or a desire for you to be in a similar career field or to have similar career goals? Is it a need, a want, or a desire of whether you want to have kids or whether you're willing to date someone who has kids? Is it a need, a want, or a desire for you to be with someone who has similar values around health and the ways that they feed themselves and take care of their bodies? Is it a need, a want, or a desire for someone to have the same religion or same views on spirituality as you? Is it a need, a want, or a desire for someone to have the same financial goals as you do or spending habits? Take a look at this stuff. It's kind of uncomfortable, but if you view it in a fun way, it can actually be really exciting. So I don't even know how long I've been recording now, probably too long. Sorry, I've been talking your ear off, but take a look at this stuff. And I would so much, so much love to hear from you guys. What are your thoughts with this? I would love to hear other perspectives if you have other ways that you want to think about this or that you have thought about this. Because there are so many ways to think of it. And I love hearing perspectives from you guys because I want to learn and grow. And that's a massive value for me. I value learning and personal development and growth so much. And the only way that we can do that is by sharing our stories and our perspectives and our experiences with each other. So reach out, please. And if you have questions with the actual implementation with any of this, please reach out and let me know. And I can answer that on an upcoming Q&A Thursday. And take a look again at if there are areas of resistance with this with you, look at where that comes from. Is it because you don't want to be too needy? Is it because you are afraid of burdening the other person? Is it because you are fearful that you will be rejected or criticized if you need things? Is it because you are worried that people will leave you or abandon you if you need too much? Is it because you are afraid of being hurt or being unlovable if you need too much? And the last piece that I'm going to leave you with is that when we downplay or minimize our needs 
in a relationship or when we're dating, I can see and understand because I've been there, the perspective that you don't want to be a burden and that it's just easier to take care of the other person. But if you go into a relationship and not wanting to need anything because you don't want to be vulnerable or you don't want to be hurt, what you're actually doing is you're robbing the other person the the joy and the the opportunity of being able to be useful to you and to be needed themselves. It's so disheartening to be in a relationship with someone who doesn't need anything and who doesn't want anything. It makes me feel useless. It makes me feel like the best parts of myself are not being utilized. I have so much to offer emotionally to the people in my lives. And if I'm with someone who just doesn't need anything ever and who, or who wants to take care of me, it just makes me, it makes me feel disconnected and it makes me feel, well, what's the point? If this person doesn't need anything at all, like why are they even in a relationship with me? I'm, I'm going to go find someone who actually has needs because that's where I get my joy and my fulfillment and my purpose. So if you are someone who really downplays wanting to need anything and who minimizes your own needs because you don't want to be a burden and you don't want to be hurt and you don't want to be rejected, try to reframe that and look at it from the other person's perspective. You're only going to attract people who who want you to not need anything because they're not going to want to meet your needs. And then you're going to be profoundly unhappy because you're just going to attract people who are emotionally unavailable who have no desire to know who you are or to to meet your needs. And INFJs can end up in these patterns where we just keep attracting narcissists and these people mistreat us and we feel terrible about ourselves. But at the same time, if we keep putting out vibes that we're perfect on our own and we don't want to need anything from anybody, we're going to attract people who don't who don't care. And we're going to repel the people who actually do care. So try to keep that perspective in mind. By needing things, you are offering the other person the opportunity to to be their best selves, to feel like they're wanted and desired and important. So make sure you are not allowing your fear of vulnerability or being hurt to hold you back from missing out on what could be the best relationship of your life. You have to allow yourself to receive things in order to be able to find the love of your life or to build the love of your life with the person that you have. Allow yourself to need things. Allow yourself to receive things. You deserve it and you're actually giving the other person an incredible gift because emotional connection requires both people to know what they want and need, to own it with confidence, and to be able to ask for it and actually receive it. So often we are out there seeking love and trying to fix ourselves and take action to be able to get the love that we want. But more often, we're actually blocking ourselves from receiving it. It, It's already there. It's already possible for us. We just need to stop 
forcing it away. We need to stop blocking ourselves from being open to receiving it. So that's the last area that I want to encourage you to look at is, are you actually open to having your needs met? And if not, that's understandable, but take a look at the reasons why and take a look at the reasons and the the consequences of you not allowing yourself to receive things. How is this holding you back? What are you missing out on? It's scary, but the reward is worth it. You are worth it. Thank you guys so much for listening to all of this. I am super excited for Q&A Thursday. Please reach out. You can find the question form on the INFJ Growth website, infjgrowth.com forward slash podcast. You can also also shoot me a DM on Instagram. I am at infj.growth or you can email me at jilly at infjgrowth.com. Thank you guys so much for listening and for being here with me. I am so excited to see you on Thursday and I will see you then. Bye.